You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Gifted with Sheila White, where we talk to individuals that are doing some phenomenal things in education, in health, in entertainment, in social services all across the world. We're excited that you joined us today. And I want you to call a neighbor, call a friend, and let them know that Gifted is on the air. And I want you to share this podcast with your family and friends. You can share it at www.road2eternity.net. Now, for some exciting news, I have with me today two guests that are with the Black Butterfly podcast that is started in March of 2022. We're going to be sharing some information about education, about mental health, about the prison to pipeline, all of these things that are going on within the Black community and a lot of other communities around the world. I want to welcome our special guests today, Candace Wilson and Eugene Wakefield. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. You know, first let's talk about the Black Butterfly. How did you all come up with the name, the Black Butterfly? Actually, we thought about several different names mm -hmm. and as we continue to talk with each other and kind of sharing information, I was like, you know what? We have to kind of go back a couple decades and mm. think about like what black people actually went through when they were brought over from Africa. I said, so I feel like we we're very resilient. And then we talked about the butterflies. So I said, you know what, do you know how many different stages that butterflies go through? And he's like, you know, I know a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I believe they go through like four different stages. And I, I wow. said, I think that kind of mirrors us as a people. I said, so why don't we think about um, the mm. butterfly? Mm. And he was like, okay. And then he talked to me about, I think a young lady that he knew um, that called herself maybe um, the black butterfly or something mm -hmm. in the past. And I was like, well, I think that's near and dear. And I think that our culture kind of mirrors that. And we talked about um, the different stages of butterflies. Guys, mm -hmm. look it up so that you'll know yeah. the information. Um, and then one of them, he said a catalyst. And I was like, yeah, you know, they go through different stages before, yeah. um, you know, caterpillar, the catalyst before they actually become a butterfly. But at the end of the transition, um, it's something beautiful, mm -hmm. you know. And so that's how we came up with the name. And that's really interesting because the black butterfly or the butterfly goes through a lot of changes, the metamorphosis, and a lot of people go through changes in their life as they're going through different stages. We were talking earlier about before marriage and before children <laughs> and, and the Michael Jordan era with basketball. All of these types of changes that we go through as a people, it's interesting, but I, I love that, the fact that you say, okay, looking at our history and where we've come from and the different changes that we've gone through. So that's really a good, um, that's a good analogy, you know, to draw from the Black Butterfly. Now, how long has the Black Butterfly podcast been established? Since 2022, I believe. Yeah, okay. March of 2022. Okay, okay. And just to add to the last question, the naming convention, we couldn't use B-L-A-C-K because it was a whole bunch of, of yeah. <laughs> and so that's where the Q comes in that. Okay. For the naming convention of the Black And spell that for our audience. B-L-A-Q 
B-U-D-D-A-F-L-Y. Okay. Buddy. Got the buddy in there. (laughs) The buddy in there. And so um, we were talking a little bit about, you know, the different changes that people go through. Let's go back a little bit. We started this in 2022. And the reason that you started this, the whole thing, this this podcast, what was the reason behind starting the podcast? Because... You know, you could be doing a lot of things. You're busy doing what you're doing. You're busy doing what you're doing. And you say, wait a minute, we want to deal with these issues with our community. That's changes that's been happening over time. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, prior to me having a conversation with Eugene, I wanted to start a podcast for like four years. I asked several different people. Um, everybody had their own things going on in life. So I believe that timing is everything. Mm. I actually reached out to Eugene and told him what my idea was, shared my vision with him. Um, he was excited about it, but it had been me actually looking at his presence on social media and seeing how he was always advocating for um, the community. And I mm. love that because that's what I wanted to do was near and dear to my heart. So I contacted him and he said, I'll do it with you, but you have to be focused. You have to be serious about it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And that's why I started, but it was really just to talk about like social issues that Mm -hmm. our community was facing and how could we be um, to partner with the community to create change. Okay. So that's what it was for me. And then I'll let you talk about. When she was talking about, she contacted you because you were already involved in some of the social issues and being an advocate in some areas. And what were some of those things you were involved with? It just... So my background, a little of my background is mm-hmm. in banking, right? And so uh, it would be talking, having that conversation around financial literacy, oh. education behind that, yeah. home ownership, mm. uh, you know, just the conversation behind that, conversations mm-hmm. around uh, just, you know, things that we go through on a daily basis mm-hmm. are just our mindset, our thought process. And so uh, engaging you know, the audience on some of these issues and just saying, hey, you know, we need to shift our thinking on some of the way with what we've been thinking. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, you know, I believe in constructive uh, conversation, mm. but I also believe in accountability too. Yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes, you know, before we started the podcast, you know, my thought process would be about, hey, let's just change the narrative. Sometimes we allow others to tell our story Right. Mm-hmm. We shall we shall always want to tell our own stories, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and yeah. so that was where my social media, you know, would float in that space. Sometimes we would have to have a little rough <laughs> back and forth. Right. But, you know, uh, all's well end well. Right. And so it's it just the 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 idea behind it was just education, educating our, our people in our audience on certain topics. Now, you, you really, really hit on an important thing. You said mindset. What do you think the mindset is now today? Because a lot of young people. Why go to school? Why get married? Why, um, you know, work a job? You know, there's all these whys. Why should I? You know, where do you think the mindset for the young people is at today? Because that's so key, what you said, because our generation, the baby boomers and beyond them, they believed in working hard and, you know, making a living and taking care of their families. But somewhere along the line, something dropped, you know. So let's talk about the mindset of the modern, the youth today. I, I would just be honest. So where I work as a nonprofit, and so mm-hmm. we do a lot of intervention with, you know, the inner city of Chicago, mm-hmm. the students, uh, males and females. Okay. And okay. so I see, you know, I'm an accountant, senior accountant. So I see, mm-hmm. you know, indirectly some of the issues that they deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's changing. Okay. Because, you know, like, and I share, I talk about this on the podcast all the time. Our generation mm-hmm. it probably is the most important generation. 
because if you look at, you know, uh, my parents, her parents, okay. obviously your parents. Yeah, yeah. They saw whites only fountains. Oh, wow. They saw whites only restaurants. Yeah, Black, yeah. you know, they couldn't eat in certain restaurants. Yeah. We've never seen that before. Mm. Right. And so interesting. We yes. are the link to our kids, this current gen the generation that's up under us. Right. Right. And so that's why we are most important, because we mm. can, you know, talk about their plight. Also, our, you know, our great grandparents' plight mm. and related to our kids. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have to fight the battles of our generation and the previous generation. Right. And so that's wow. why I feel it's most important. So I think a lot of and just to answer your question, mm -hmm. our generation is that link and that bridge to, you know, convey to them the importance of what they're what they should be doing, some of yeah. the things they should be talking about and the mindset. Candace, some of the things that Eugene said is really important. And we talk about our parents. Is there a connection? Can you feel a connection to, let's say, your parents and things they may have saw, maybe stories they've talked to you about? Because you're right. You know, we have not seen those, you know, the Jim Crow laws or lived in that time. But is there a connection or do you feel a sense of responsibility to pass this type of information on? It is a part of history. You know, how do you feel about that? Or has your family shared some of those plights that they had to help you feel connected to sharing the messages that you're sharing? Absolutely. I remember my mom saying that she could remember when Ruby Bridges mm -hmm. actually went to Real school true story. Yeah, and yeah. actually watching like mm -hmm. the courage she had when mm -hmm. she started to go to school and then kind of looking back for me trying to find access to the actual footage. Um, mm -hmm. She had to be like walked in with like um, FBI agent or secret service man and being mm -hmm. that little. And now that I'm a mental health therapist, very traumatizing for a little girl to kind of experience that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember my dad talking to me about his mom actually walking. I think she he's, it was downtown Gary, maybe Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, and she was on the street. I think he, he approximately maybe seven years old. Yeah. And it was some um, gentlemen, some Caucasian males that kind of like pushed her down and told her to get off the sidewalk. Yeah. So just things like that. And so when we did have the conversation about um, our generation actually being the bridge, mm -hmm. it kind of like my light, a light bulb popped on like, this is a moment of awakening for me because he said that, do you realize that our, <laughs> our parents were like, <laughs> civil rights, Jim Ooh. Crow, and then we're the, like the next generation. So mm -hmm. the reality of it is, is that we've only been like 50 years out from that. Mm -hmm. And so really kind of like educating our kids on what that was like, because now we see the school system is trying to push out our history mm -hmm. as far as like what happened with civil rights, what yeah. happened with Jim yeah. Crow, mm -hmm. what happened and slavery. And I always try to talk to people and correct and like Africans uh, were enslaved. They weren't slaves. Mm -hmm. So that's a, you know, that's, that's a difference. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's really important to talk about that because when we talk about years ago, things that were happening at that time, there was protests, there was all these types of things rallying. Now we have the Black Lives Matter, a lot of rallies, a lot of protests, a lot of people angry about if, things that didn't even happen to them necessarily at those tough times. How do you compare the days of old, the protesting, let's say with Martin Luther King time, compared to today, people are marching in the street and a lot of things are going on. Is there a, a similarity you feel as far as with our culture? Because same culture, different time, um, different heartbeats of things going on in those times. But what do you think about that, Eugene? Because people are really adamant. They feel like they've been not able to walk down the street or <laughs> they've been told to step off the sidewalk, as you were saying. So is there a similarity? I think it's similarities in some of the, you know, some of the, I would say, um, 
things that were done, right? Yeah, like, for yeah, example, yeah. Um, systemic racism, mm. right? You see it in corporate America. Yeah, uh, yeah. You see, you know, people being in, in, in today's time, it's not as overt mm. and egregious as it used to be. Right. But it's still there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got I got another, this is a story for all here. <laughs> I got a crazy story to share. But um, with that said, yes, I believe it's similar, but it's just different. Mm. Right. Because now you have uh, a lot of these companies who fund some organizations. Wow. That didn't fund, you know, Martin Luther King. When yeah. He was walking the streets yeah. Back then. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the question is, are you really for the people? Mm. Right. Are you just marching around for a dollar sign or are you marching for the liberation of your people? Mm. And so that's the question. Um, yeah. I take solace in, in understanding, like I would say with our people, just do the mm. research on mm. some of the organizations mm -hmm. that are marching in the streets because mm. you will you will quickly realize yeah. some of those are funded by the some some of the same people mm. who fund some of the racist things that are oppressing you. Wow, interesting. So, yeah, um, I, I'm very cautious when you know mm. I see our people marching in the streets. Now, granted, yes, you're supposed to march because our ancestors did it, right? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to fight oppression with protests, right? Mm. You're supposed to fight it with a voice, you know, your voice needs to be heard. But I think what's different today, you can do it in other areas. I had a brother tell me this one time mm. and I let, you know, I let you go. He said, uh, he said, we're not as grassroots as we were back in the sixties and seventies. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. He said, but we need you guys who have the college degrees to fight the battles that we can't fight on the grass level, mm. grassroots level. Okay. And he okay. said, what he meant by that is hiring black people. Right. And mm. when you have positions of power, standing up for one another, when you see some overt racism going on in mm -hmm. your department. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, advocating for minority executive directors and things like that. Roland Martin talks about that all the time. All the time. All so, the time. Yeah. You know, it's 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 di it's the same, but just as different because mm -hmm. we're in a different time. So can we keep the dream alive as we talk about that particular era. Um, we're not looking for another king because we don't have another no. king. Obviously, people are looking for the next hope to come along. But can we keep the dream alive that was lit in those years for us to be able to stand up, walk together, see each other as just brothers and sisters? Can we do that? Because there's so many issues. People have issues like Scott Roll tissues today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So can we keep the dream alive? I believe that we can. Um, mm -hmm. Part of it is representation, actually seeing people that look like us in, um, in the education system, um, on the law enforcement, politics and different things like that. We have to make sure that we are partnering with the community mm -hmm. um, and advocating mm -hmm. for education, advocating okay. for proper funding, um, advocating with the not-for-profit organizations who are getting funding from the federal level and the state mm -hmm. level and making sure that they're not just getting the funding and sitting on it or using it for salaries, right. but they're actually giving out the money to the community so we can actually create change. Now, let's, when you talk about education, there's the prison to pipeline, which yes. people have talked about for years. There's so much going on. Do you think there's enough being done, you know, for that? Because when you go to prisons across the country in the United States of America, it's an unbalance um, of inequality of, of nationalities, let's say cultures that are there. Are we making a difference? Is it getting worse? <laughs> Actually, 
I believe that we are not doing enough. And when mm -hmm. I say we, I mean culturally, because we have seen mass incarceration rates. And I was doing some research mm -hmm. and it said that back in the 70s that um, they came out with um, some new information basically saying that things that people wouldn't or originally be incarcerated with, mm -hmm. they're now incarcerating them. And one of the big things was um, drug-related crimes. Yes, so back in the yes. 70s, if there was like a drug-related crime, people mm -hmm. probably would not go to prison or go to jail for it. But after that, you've seen the numbers of incarcer incarceration rise because it decreased somewhat in like robberies and, mm, you know, certain yeah. violence, but it increased yeah. in drug crimes. And so that's why we see now that um, people of color mm -hmm. have been disproportionately um, been locked up. And yeah. I was actually looking at numbers. So um, maybe six, approximately 6,000 African-American males are wow. put in, um, in jail mm -hmm. per 100,000 versus uh, Caucasians wow. at approximately 2,000 yeah. um, per yeah. 100,000. So that, you know, that's kind of disturbing. And so that's sad. That's really sad. Do you, do you think, Eugene, that the education has anything to do with it? Because there's a dropout. Rates are high. Um, joblessness, you know, there's not, people say there's not enough jobs and that's why the crime is happening, you know, that Candace mentioned, um, you know, they're not going to school, they're not thinking about education anymore. Do you think that has something to do with the prison, the pipeline? They're just gonna put them in the street because they don't know what else to do with them. I mean, some of the crimes are valid, like mm -hmm. you said, but then there's some things that are just not even worth it, you know, um, nowadays, because it used to be, you have a little bit of marijuana, so to speak, or whatever it is, you get locked up. Nowadays, it's legal. You know what I'm saying? People are mm -hmm. chewing it, eating it, biting it, doing everything now, <laughs> baking it in the oven, you know, doing all kinds of things with it. So does that have a little bit of a fraction in there or, or what are your thoughts on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's a powder keg, right? Mm. When you don't have education, you don't provide employment for them, um, and then which leads to inadequate housing, right? And then, wow. you know, you don't provide uh, mental areas where they, you know, for the, for to stimulate their mental health, right? Mm. You know, yeah. what is the next next thing they're gonna do, right? Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you are, a lot of, well, I'll just say this, our people have, and I hate it that it's been this way, I was just talking on the way here, I was talking to one mm. of my friends about it. We have been identified with being impoverished. Mm. Like that, that drives me nuts. <laughs> you have to say that again, because that's been, true. And that's Very with true. our own people. Like we have been, in, and that, that's not, I'm, I'm speaking from, you know, just from a, a micro level. We have identified each other as impoverished. And we look at each other when someone who has an affluence, right, who was raised with two parents in the household, we look at them sideways. Mm. Which I don't, that's, that's the mindset I, I think I talk about. Mm. Um, and so it, it, it drives me nuts. But back to your previous question. Yeah. So when you have all those things, obviously you're going to be bred into survival mode. Mm. How do you survive? You create, you know, you go commit crimes, you know, to survive. Mm. Right. And so, uh, yes, it, it's to. Well, I always look at our city. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm from get we born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Yeah. So yeah. we look at our city as an example of that. And so that's why this podcast was created, yeah, you know, because yeah. we want to provide solutions. Yeah. Right. And so one of the solutions is affordable housing. Mm. Uh, you know, when you're, you know, in the spaces that we're being walked into, I was just at a developers conference the other day. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because you see people who look like you with multi-million dollar projects in disturbed, distressed areas like a Gary, Indiana or yeah, the South Side of Chicago. Yeah. yeah. 
one of the guys, his name is Daryl Carter, and he mm -hmm. said this, I shared with her this the other day, he said mm -hmm. that, you know, one of the things that he provided, he so he changed a housing project on the south side of Chicago uh, into a multi, it was like, I think it was some townhouses and apartment mm -hmm. buildings, affordable yeah. housing. Yeah. And he said, in the midst of the project, he was talking to one of the police chiefs and the police chief was like, well, I don't understand why you're doing this. It's not gonna be any value, mm. right? That's the police chief. He said, as he's walking away, one of the police officers walked up to him and said, no, I see the value in this. You should def definitely. Me, definitely go ahead with yes. this process, yeah. right? And yeah. so he's saying, he was saying like, from that until the, you know, the completion of the project, what he ended up doing was he started meeting with those gang leaders in those mm. areas. Right. Wow. wow. Once he started meeting with them, he started sharing his plans for the area. Obviously, mm. there was someone that was supposed because they're territorial, mm. which makes sense. But what he ended up doing was he started employing them. So they were working with him on his project. Yeah. And then they also created an initiative for those who were, you know, uh, displaced from those housing projects to find mm. their places to live. Mm -hmm. And so when the, the conclusion of that was that. After the you know the the property was developed and everything, he yeah, sold it for yeah. eighty one million dollars. That's important. And Generational so, wealth. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so the 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 idea behind this is yes, we all come from the same type of communities, right? Mm -hmm. But talk about the solutions. Mm. Put those brothers to work, and so that's exactly what he did. Put them to work. Let's talk about financial literacy. You know, um, are we getting it? You know, you talk about people that come in that are affluent, the African Americans. There, it's like a crab in the barrel mentality, they're helping their own, they're not reaching out to the brothers on the street or whatever. How do we keep that message going for those people that have made it, you know, that can go back into the communities, like you said, that example. Uh, there's not enough of that happening, you know, to be able to share the wealth. Um, financial literacy, is it important enough or do we just take care of our families and me, myself and I, you know? I think that's very interesting because one of the things that we have done here lately is on our podcast, we mm -hmm. have expert speakers that come on. We have, um, we've had someone that was a life insurance agent, mm. a tax preparer, wow. someone who is big. Um, that's real big. educated yeah. and yeah. creating trust funds. Yeah. Um, one of the young ladies we went to high school with, she is good in finance as well. She came onto the show actually mm -hmm. just educating our people about what it is to um, be financially financially literate yeah, and also yeah. what credit looks like, how to create generational wealth. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that we've been doing, we have a um, community cleanup event that we have thrown every year. Okay. We started last year and then we had it again this year. Um, Eugene is very savavy in the financial <laughs> space. Um, um, me as well, he's a CPA. So once okay. we actually get people to the community event, you know, they're bringing the kids, we have a giveaway, but he um, oftentimes start uh, spark up a conversation with parents about affordable housing, what it looks mm -hmm. like, um, for finances and so our goal is actually <laughs> it's a, a school that's in um, Gary but it's in Etna which okay. is um, close to the to the, the, the beach the yeah, okay, and so time. I want to get the school so we can um, put mm. in trade so people can that decide not to go to college yeah that's okay yeah. but they can come and get a trade and one mm -hmm. of the areas that we're going to work on is educating them on what it is to be literate in finances and a lot of people don't realize it um, you know we talk about insurance a lot of people don't have a life insurance policy uh, even a health insurance policy because days like we talk about our parents they just ate good vegetables yes they got fresh air <laughs> water sunshine I mean it was a different day the the vegetables were literally alive. They weren't manufactured <laughs> or something like that. It, it makes a difference. Now our vegetables and fruits that we're eating don't even have seeds. Yeah. So where are they coming from? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's interesting. So when we talk about, um, you know, 
things like that, it's really, really important to, to understand that it's a different day. And so we have to keep educating our children and, and our family members on financial literacy, you know, getting a health insurance policy and making sure that, you know, even in a will, just having a mm-hmm. will, you may not have much, mm-hmm. but whatever you have, somebody's going to fight over it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. They want daddy's, mama's, grandpa's something, his little stopwatch, whatever it is, because <laughs> it's his. So talking about financial matters is really important for people to understand that and to start putting, a, they used to say, put away a nest egg or for a rainy day. Now it's like, it doesn't even matter. You know, people don't think about having a savings unless they want a car or want a house or something. That's when they think about it. So I think stressing the importance of that is really good. How can we help the younger ones? Like people that have children, we were talking earlier, you have a family now. Yes. How can you help the younger children understand the importance of financial literacy? Because, you know, your pockets are deep. They just say, dad, I want this. Give me this to, to go get the bike, iPod, you know, the, yeah. you know, the PlayStation or whatever it is. Yeah. They don't really understand finances. How can we help them to understand it? Because I think it's important at a young age to start that training and that education. Just start it young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do it right now. So mm-hmm. I have a bunch. So I'm the first generation first generational graduate, right? Oh, wow. And so wow. out of my family. And so I have a lot of cousins, second cousins, third cousins, yeah. nephews, need, they call me about advice. And so with the conversation- Cousins, in-laws, outlaws, yes, all of that, yes. right? <laughs> and so, but the conversation I have with yeah. them and their parents is that you're not going to call me for money. What I'm going to do, mm. let's start your credit right now. Mm. Prepaid credit card. Wow. $300, that's, mm-hmm. that's all it takes. And so, for example, I have a young cousin now. So he was in college. Mm-hmm. When I got with him, he was like 16. Yeah. It was a mess, right? Yeah. And so uh, got him a job and, you know, got to walk through that whole thing. I don't want to work in no restaurant, that mm-hmm. type of deal, right? Yeah, that's I the issue, I think it's right? funny, right, <laughs> yeah. when you, especially with us, when we want to go to, uh, when we, the first job we want to have, we want to work at Foot Locker, right? With all yeah, the gear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, you know, we had to get over that, but he started seeing money coming in, mm-hmm. right? And so I told him, I said, hey, cuz, so one of the first things you should do, I'm gonna take you to the bank myself, we'll get you a prepaid credit card and walked him through that whole conversation. And it was funny, we're sitting with the banker. It was like she wasn't even there. I'm like, don't even, I said, this is what you need to do, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the credit rates, yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I was planting the seed to say, hey, so when you, a year or two, mm. when you want to, if you know, if you're making enough money, mm. you can walk into your first vehicle. You can walk into your first wow. apartment. You don't have wow. to call mom and dad to say, hey, can you co-sign? Because we did that, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what we did. Exactly. That's hey, cuz, can you co-sign? Yeah, and they yeah. on the phone looking like, what? <laughs> that was the co-sign, way. right. And so, but <laughs> that was the conversation I have with yeah. them and each and every one of them. And so now he's walking to his own first apartment just like a couple weeks ago. Wow. And so wow. that's what I'm, that is the conversation we should be doing. Instead of buying $100 sneakers and, you know. Nothing wrong with that if you have it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but know, I think but it's more yeah. it's more intentional when yeah. you walked into the bank so they can see their paying that credit card off by themselves. Wow. They're seeing the credit rating go up and they're seeing the value. Oh, if I have credit, I don't have to work hard to per se mm-hmm. to get the things I want. If my mm-hmm. credit rating is nice and I have good debt to credit ratio, yeah. I can I can go to the bank and get a loan and don't have to walk into the you know car dealership. That's right. Right. And so seeing the power and the value in that. Mm. And so I just I like to so with all of them, they're 16, 17, now they're in their twenties mm. and they're, you know, they're financially stable. And so just having that conversation with them young. Yeah. So as they go to high school and college, yeah. they won't have to have those worries. And and you're talking about worries, you know, the mental health 
situation yes. itself brings worries. When you have bills, it's, you have ills. Yes. When you have a lot of bills, <laughs> you know, it happens. I know that you have a background in mental health. I um, do. A lot of times in the black community, you know, there's what happens in the home stays in the home. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have so much trauma that builds upon trauma. A lot of our generation and before us, they have not cleared those airways and had the communication the way that it should be. So you have trauma upon trauma upon trauma. Let's talk about the mental health in our community, because a lot of people don't want to open up and share the things that have mm -hmm. happened in the home, starting in mm -hmm. the home mm -hmm. that has shaped their mental today and, and they haven't gotten over it and they're still carrying on and trying to be a wounded winner, mm -hmm. so to speak. Talk about mental health and how important it is, not in our community, but not just in our community, because you have people in the White House that have some issues with mental health and they're still there running the country, <laughs> running the country. I mean, this is a universal problem. This is not, I think this started back with Adam and Eve when, when she put the fruit, mental health disrepair came into being and we never cleared it up since. So let's talk about mental health. So I would say um, in the community, in our community, mental mm -hmm. health, there's a stigma attached to it. And so oftentimes people don't want to seek out help, but it goes back to the past where they didn't see people who look like them. So again, representation wow. is really big. Wow. If you don't see people who look like you, you don't feel that they're genuine. You're mm. not going to open up and talk mm. about past trauma. So mm. uh, when I actually get them in front of me, I talk mm. to them. I say, you've been seeing a the therapist all your life. You know, it may have been the bartender. Oh, wow. Or your nail okay. head. Right. Oh, the hairdresser. Or the, cosmetologist. Yeah. Or the yeah. guy you go take your car to to get fixed. Right. Or the lady in the grocery that's store important. that's the cashier. That's so important. someone you've been talking to, maybe even your pastor, mm -hmm. about things that have been happening to you. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't a person who was licensed and who actually can't really tell anybody else. Wow. And so they kind of start laughing about it. And so we began to talk about um, mental health. And I tell them, if it makes you more comfortable, I can just say I'm your life coach. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're hung up on names, Mm. We won't say a uh, mental health therapist. We can say yeah. a life coach and just really making them feel comfortable so that they are engaging mm -hmm. um, and then they are connected yeah. and they're help they're willing to get the help that they need in order for them to thrive. And I tell families all the time, you know, we have to break the cycle of those generational curses and saying, you mm. can't say this, you can't do that because eventually hurt people hurt people. And then mm. you have another generation that you're raising with anxiety because they're scared to say certain things or they're scared to go certain places just because of their past traumas. So let's talk about that a little bit when we talk about trauma, because as a people, we're talking about the black butterfly. Mm -hmm. And there has been so much trauma from, like you said, being enslaved coming over here, just, just passed from generation to generation. I mean, there's a book that's called 400 Years Without a Comb, mm -hmm. literally, that this is one of the reasons why they wore scarves on their head and just different things. Trauma is something that has been so prevalent in our community and still today, even with just a few years ago before the pandemic happened, you know, with the with Rodney King going back as far as that, going mm -hmm. up to the other gentleman that was just, you know, with the knee on, on him. All of these things happening. People are experiencing trauma. It seems like just turning on the news, you know, on a day to day basis. Um, how can we be able to just make it? in this world with every time you turn on the television or read the paper or new, it's hitting us everywhere across the airways. You could be in your car and you turn the radio on when to just, you know, get your groove on and mm -hmm. you're hearing something that's happening yeah. in another part of the country and it triggers you yeah. to something. How can we continue to move on? You, you know, we talked earlier that you're a very spiritual person. Um, 
Is God in this, you know what I'm saying, in all of this? I believe that he is. My parents raised us and they always told us to be um, in the world, but not of the world. So I also believe that the eyes and the ears are the wonders to the soul. And I know everything is, you know, driven by the media, but oftentimes you have to take a moment um, to decompress. Mm -hmm. You have to take a moment for self-care. And no matter what that actually looks like, if that's, you know, going to church, talking to your spiritual leaders, talking to your family, your support system, Mm -hmm. talking to a mentor, or, you know, different things like yeah, that. You have yeah. to be protected of what you're consuming and letting into your body. We talk about diet. Everybody gets on this crazy <laughs> diet. You know, diet is just not what you, you know, what you're, what you eat and put yeah. it into your body. It's also yeah. what you're absorbing, what you're seeing, what you're mm-hmm. hearing. So I think it's actually very important to make sure that you're surrounding yourself around people who is positive, mm-hmm. you know, like-minded so that you're not consuming a lot of toxicity. Um, the media has had a way with us of um, desensitizing us and so now mm. you can see kids will see someone fighting mm. or something violent and it, they don't bat an eyelid well when yes, we were kids no big deal. we would traumatize yes, so much trauma. like, you know. and so I would definitely say that um being more educated about yeah. what mental health looks like, mm-hmm. you know, looking for the signs and symptoms of like depression mm-hmm. um, or anxiety or social anxiety. Um, oftentimes people don't know that they struggle with it until mm-hmm. they actually get out of yeah. school and they may have like a panic attack or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's very important just to be aware of what you're surrounding yourself with and now, who you surround yourself with. Now who, the who is, that's, that's a big, that's a big thing there. Um, how can people help be more comfortable with t- coming to talk to a professional? Because you said talking to the cosmetologist, talking to the minister, minister, you know, so much going on in churches, people don't even feel comfortable talking to their pastor now because he's got issues, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, he got a baby over there and he's got to try to talk to people and it's like, who can I turn to? You know what I'm saying? How can, how can people feel more comfortable with talking to a professional? Because um, that's one thing that they're afraid of. They're afraid to walk into that office because people think that you're crazy mm-hmm. going to talk to a person, a professional person, but they may talk to to the wrong person, you know, say it's the neighbor or a girlfriend or something, then that gets out, then they don't trust Mm -hmm. anybody. And that brings out a lot of more trauma internally. So how can people feel more comfortable to go to get professional help? I think they are trying to do a better job at making sure that people in different communities mm-hmm. rep- their show representation. So there's actually a website, um, Better Health okay. or psycho- uh, Psychological.com, where you can actually go in and you can literally mm-hmm. put in, I want to see a, mirror, a male therapist between the oh, ages of, you know, 30. Yeah, it makes 60. a difference. Makes I want to see uh, African and male, ther- mm-hmm. uh, African American therapist, yeah, female. Yeah, I yeah. want to see a Caucasian therapist yeah. or a Native American therapist Somebody you or can relate to. therapist so that you're more comfortable with them. And I think that's really important because mm-hmm. we can, I can come and see you, but if there we can't catch footing or grounding, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to open up and tell you my trauma. So I think it's very important that they actually see someone who looks like them. And I think it's important for people to understand just because you go to one person does not mean that that's the person for you. Exactly. You may have to shop around a little bit mm-hmm. and find a person that you're comfortable with to be able to share, to be able to open up and to be able to have that conversation. So it has to be a good match. So if one person is not working, go to another person. Don't stop. Don't give up because your life literally Depends could depend on upon it. Mm-hmm. You know, your mental, your emotional, all of that, you know, could depend on it. Let's talk a little bit about the um, health, the health aspect, because as African-Americans, we love to eat what we eat. We talked about <laughs> earlier, beans, greens, tomatoes, <laughs> all of that. So we're eating what we're eating, not getting enough exercise. Like I said, fresh air, sunshine, all of these things that help give us life. Um, 
the plight of the health mm -hmm. in the, in the African American community between high diabetes and yes. heart disease and things like that. Um, where do you all see that now and, and how bad or good are we doing with that? I, I mean, for me, uh, I believe it's, it's improving because I see a lot of people who are working out more, uh, mm -hmm. disclaimer, I work, I try to work out at least what four times, five times a week. Uh, wow. Try to run at least a mile a day. If wow. I'm if I'm home, yeah. if I'm working from home, try to run a See, mile a day. See, these are all muscles under this yes. shirt. It's all, no. it's all muscles. I wish, I wish. But I, it's you the know, Hulk, you know. I believe it's a lifestyle. Yeah, right? You yeah, have to yeah. incorporate it in your day. Just like, you know, you take a lunch break and you're sitting down to, you know, eat. You, your body has to be able to have some time to function and yeah. exercise itself. Regenerate itself. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like my wife, she does Sudoku, right, with her, oh. with her, with her time. And yeah. so she's now... It you know installed that workout. She says when she works out now it's like Sudoku, but she's just you know working mm. her body out. Yeah. So I think you have to you have to be <clears throat> creative in the yeah. ways to incorporate mm. in your everyday lifestyle. Mm. But, wow. Yeah. Well, what is what would you all like to say to let's say to Black America today to help us to be able to move forward to be aware of some of the issues that are just like red hot buttons because we know health and mental health issues, but what would you like to say to America now to help us to move forward, to be able to uh, march forth towards the things that we talked about today? Let you go first. Go I would say be serious about what it looks like inside mm -hmm. of your community. I know there is an African proverb that says that if um, if I eat, then the whole village eats. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we have gotten away from that. You know, we have become so individualized that as long as we're doing good or our immediate family is doing good, um, then we don't really relate to how other people are doing. But mm -hmm. we are a community and the community says that we yeah. help each other and we look out for one another. And as long yeah. as we continue to to do that, I think we can continue to grow and also build. Wow. And how can people get in contact with the Black Butterfly podcast to listen to it, to be able to get in contact with your great organization and to become aware of some of the issues that are, are plaguing our country, our nation and our world, actually? You can reach us on Facebook. Uh, same handle, B-L-A-Q-B-U-D-D-A-F-L-Y. Always get mixed up. We also on YouTube and Twitter now, which is X, which is weird. And then uh, IG. Um, you just type in BLAQ and we should, our names will pop up. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, reaffirm what Candace says. Yeah. Uh, we have to be determined, be focused. I also like to add to uh, be the change you want to see. Mm -hmm. Right. Be a solution That's and a know one. your history, but don't repeat it. Know your history, don't repeat it, be a solution to the problem. Folks, we're just about out of time. We wanna thank our guests today for being with us in studio. We thank our studio audience for being <laughs> with us as well today. Um, if you did not hear this entire broadcast, I want you to visit our website at www number two, road number two, eternity.net. And to listen to this podcast, share it with your family and friends. You can get in contact with the Black Butterfly. Their information will be on that as well. We want to thank you for listening. And I want you to remember that you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted. Use your gifts to impact the world. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.